Cassidy, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jake. So a few years ago, uh, Donald Trump, President Trump, was a man you describe in your book as uh, adoring. And now you are doing this book tour in which you tell the story from childhood to your courageous testimony. And you are basically warning the world that he shouldn't be president ever again. Um, a, that's quite a journey. And B, why shouldn't he be president ever again? Well, I would like to start by saying that I came forward to testify because, one, that was what I was obligated to do. I swore an oath to protect and defend the United States, and that was what I was subpoenaed to do. And I was at a point where I had not been completely forthcoming with the committee charged with investigating the most grave attack on the United States in recent history. So I came forward not with the goal or anything other than providing people with the truth. I've seen how people are evading the truth and how people are not holding themselves accountable. And it was my duty as an American, as it is every American's duty, to hold themselves to the oath that they swear. Yeah. Um, but at, right now, the American people are going through uh, another election or about mm -hmm. to. And we, Donald Trump is leading in the polls when it comes to the Republican primaries, even in, in some polls when it comes to a head-to-head -head matchup with President Biden. The other day, Trump suggested that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, the outgoing chairman, uh, General Mark Milley, committed treason. Uh, he suggested that capital punishment would be on the table or should be on the table. Um, when you see a message like that, how seriously do you take it? I mean, Milley has suggested to people, according to The Atlantic magazine, that he expects if Donald Trump is elected president again, that Donald Trump will go try to go after him. Um, when you see that, do you think he means it? Or do you think, oh, that's just hot air? I do, Jake. I think that we have seen firsthand. You think, I do, he think he means it. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that he means it. Now, I, what, but what I would like to say to this is, I think for years we have not held Donald Trump accountable to, to the things that he says. And when he says those things and when he strikes, when he strokes those vitriolic comments to people who have had profound careers defending our de democracy, like General Milley, we need to take him seriously. People have been holding him accountable for the past few years, but obviously not accountable enough because we are in a position right now where it's looking more likely than not that he could be the Republican nominee. And he has also been indicted four times. To me, it is sad that we're in this place as a country where we are looking at somebody who has ha executed this horrible assault on our democracy and we are continuing to give this person a platform. That's not what we should stand for as Americans. And I think that Donald Trump is the most grave threat that we will face to our, to face to our democracy in our lifetime and potentially in American history. When he says things like he wants to use the Department of Justice to go after his enemies, when he says things he, like he did on Truth Social the other day that he wants to curtail freedom of the press for certain channels and, and that sort of thing, you take him literally. You think he actually means it and in a second term he would do that. I think that Donald Trump in a second term does not have any, would not have guardrails. I think we saw that at the end of the first term with how things played out after he lost the election. He violated our constitution in multiple ways. It is, it is completely fine to wage or to file lawsuits in sure. countries or in states. But what is not okay is when you threaten and assault the constitution and our institutions of government. I would not put it past Donald Trump, Jake, it, to, to put those institutions of government in a worse position that they were in during the first term.
So, as you noted, he's now facing 91 felony charges and four different investigations. Four, he's been indicted four times. You've testified in front of the Georgia grand jury. You were interviewed by federal investigators overseeing the January 6th investigation, an indictment and the classified documents case, an indictment. Um, how do you feel about the charges he's facing? I mean, I know you're not a lawyer, but I, I know that you also read these documents. Um, when you look at the evidence and then when you hear his excuses or his defense, I mean, do you think he's guilty? I want to hold off on providing my personal opinions on that and only because, you know, I, and with the platform that I think we all should look towards and the platform at least that I am trying to adopt in this era of my life is, you know, it is sometimes just as dangerous to speculate about what could be going on behind closed doors at the Justice Department. I am confident in our system of government, and I think that we have to leave it to the investigators to be able to collect the facts, and that is why I came forward and testified truthfully to all the investigations. I think that if he is convicted, then that is a conviction that we need to accept as Americans, and we need to trust our institutions of government. But I will say this too, Jake, I think these are the people that were running our government at the end of the Trump administration. Yeah, the, very, most loyal, the most loyal of loyal Trump people. The most loyal of loyal Trump people and who have also been indicted. Some, some people, some of these individuals have also been indicted. We have to think, what would a second Trump term look like? Would these be the people that are running the government, the people that are currently facing indictments? Who would work for Donald Trump in a second term? That's the question that we need to be asking, or asking ourselves going into this election season. Well, let's talk about um, Mark Meadows, who was the White House Chief of Staff, and you were basically the Chief of Staff to the Chief of Staff. Um, you write in your book that in one of the first conversations you had with Meadows in the White House, he said to you, Cass, if I can get through this job and manage to keep him out of jail, meaning Donald Trump, I'll have done a good job. Um, a, when he said that, did you, did you think he meant that literally? And, and B, do you think that your testimony might actually result in Donald Trump going to jail? In that moment when Mark said that to me, it was more of a wake-up call and a moment where I sort of felt frightened, frightened for the first time, but also concerned about Mark. You know, when you're in this job, and I think people, it's, it's difficult to put this into words, especially if you don't have people who are willing to be forthcoming and honest about the positions that you occupy, occupy in government, but, you know, especially in the, the Trump administration and in 2020, every day was a hair on fire day. We were swimming to stay afloat, but most of us were drowning. So when Mark said that that day, I was alarmed because it was one of those moments for me where I was thinking, like, I, I thought that I had a grasp on what was going on and I realized I didn't. But I did take Mark seriously in that moment. And in that moment for me, in my service to Mark, I wanted to make sure that I did whatever I could to help Mark achieve his goal. Um, to but keep Trump out of jail. Correct. And, but that's also something that I worked through a lot in the book was it's, it's not the staff's job to control a president who might end up in prison. I think that's one of the more unfortunate things that we have sort of gravitate, gravitated to as a, as a society, where this is normal now. The, it, it's not normal, but it has been perceived as being normal now. Um, what was the other question? Well, the other question was, um, do you think that your testimony might ultimately result in Donald Trump going, going to prison? I came forward to testify with the information that I knew, and most of the information that I knew could be corroborated, corroborated by other people. 
I hope that what I testified to would cause other people to come forward and testify truthfully. So you and Meadows were close at one point, I know. Um, and in the Georgia case, uh, as you noted, uh, kind of, you alluded to, uh, he's now facing criminal charges. Um, he has pleaded uh, not guilty. Uh, let's show uh, the mugshot uh, of Mark Meadows. When you see that photo, and that, that's, that's, I mean, in some ways, I'm sure for people who, who, who love Mark Meadows or who loved him at one time, that's a tragic photo for other people who don't like Mark Meadows. It's not, I'm sure. What goes through your mind when you look at that picture? I see someone that didn't have to be in this position. You know, I, I, I see that picture and I, I feel sorry for him in some ways because he had a lot of opportunities to do the right thing and to come forward. You know, he's a man that has a family and that's also another unfortunate impact of all of this is when, Don, when you are in Donald Trump's circle and you have that loyalty to him, it impacts more your life in more ways than one can imagine. And, you know, I, I hope that Mark's doing the right thing if he hasn't already been doing the right thing as what I define the right thing. You hope he's cooperating I, I with the investigators. Would, I hope that he would cooperate and uphold the oath that he swore because he knows a lot more than I know about what happened during the November 2020 through January 2021 period. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's cooperating with the Georgia case, but it's this... We don't know if he's cooperating with federal investigators. That seems to be this unanswered question. Um, looking at the Republican Party going forward uh, and whether or not the Republican Party nominates Donald Trump, he's clearly far and ahead in the lead uh, in polls right now. But I want to play this moment from the first Republican primary debate. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Uh, that's the first debate. The second one is tomorrow. And basically, the only candidates that said they would not support Donald Trump if he were a felon, a convicted felon, uh, were Asa Hutchinson and Chris Christie. Asa Hutchinson did not make uh, the debate stage for tomorrow night. So Chris Christie will be the only Republican candidate on the debate stage tomorrow night who said he would not vote for Donald Trump if he were a convicted felon. And he's also really the only one who's been outspoken in his criticism of Donald Trump when it comes to January 6th. What does it say to you about, about Donald Trump's hold on the Republican Party? Well, I want to point out something that's really critical that you just said, Jake, and that's that if Donald Trump is tried and convicted, that wasn't asking if he... It, Brett Bayer did not ask if he is g still going through the trials. Right, indicted. Right, yeah. If he is a convicted felon. And the... the the counts that Donald Trump is currently facing, he is facing counts of obstructing the Constitution. To me, that is disqualifying. Donald Trump should be disqualified for being the president of the United States. To me, that's not a question. When I watched that, then I watched that debate, and I was hopeful about several of the candidates on that stage. I thought a lot of them had good forward-thinking answers, and I could, at that, in the beginning of the debate, I could sort of see a light at the end of the tunnel with Who this. besides uh, your fellow New Jersey uh, uh, Resident uh, Chris Christie. I, I had a lot of hope with Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that she had very intelligent and well fleshed out answers on things. Um, even Mike Pence, though, I, I was really disappointed when I saw Mike Pence raise his hand. And you know, Jake, I think Donald Trump has such a grip on these people. And sometimes I can't quite put my finger on 
Why? Why is it so easy for these people to go along with this? Why is it so people, why is it so easy for these people to say that what he's doing is okay? Because to me, in that moment, they're saying that they're conceding that they're okay with waging a war on our constitution. That is not a Republican value. That is not a, that is not an American value. Those are the types of candidates that we're looking at for 2024, though. Um, I want to ask you about Kevin McCarthy. You, at one point, were very close to him. In the book, you call him Kevin. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were on a first-name basis with him. He wasn't the speaker at the time, but he was the House Majority Leader. Minority. I'm sorry, Minority Leader for the Republicans. But near the end of the book, you write about being um, disillusioned with McCarthy. You say, I started to sense a significant shift in Kevin. Uh, what's the shift? What, what happened to McCarthy, in your view? I think that Kevin had an opportunity after January 6th, as did Mitch McConnell, as did all the elected officials in Congress that are, are Republicans, to denounce what happened on January 6th and work against Trump still having a stronghold on the Republican Party. Kevin was fairly outspoken in the days after January 6th about how it was wrong. But then after we, uh, the former president left office, McCarthy went down to Mar-a-Lago. And to me, that was sort of the beginning of that transformation where we kind of were able to observe that nothing's going to change. You know, I, I still have a lot of respects for Kevin. Um, I hope for the best for him as the speaker, especially as we see the chaos that's happening on Capitol Hill right now. But I, I'm not confident that he's a good leader for the Republican Party because he is a talking head for Donald Trump. Kevin hasn't taken a strong stand against it. And I'm confident that Kevin knows all of this is wrong. You know, a few days after the election, McCarthy, and look, you were in the White House and I'm, I'm sure you didn't see everything, but just a few days after the election, Thankfully. He, he went on, Kevin McCarthy went on Fox and said, Donald Trump won in a landslide. Mm -hmm. I mean- But the he, day of the, the day of January 6th, he also- He voted to, uh, yeah, to, he, to he disenfranchise too, right. Pennsylvania and Arizona. I mean, he was part of the big lie along with mm -hmm. everybody else. No you're, no, you're not wrong on that, Jake. But I think even if we look at the Senate with Senator McConnell, they brought an impeachment trial against the former president. If Senator McConnell had wanted to get the 10 votes, we would not be facing this issue right now. He could have likely whipped 10 votes in the Senate to make sure that Donald Trump could never be president again. And this is just the plague that is, has unfortunately infiltrated throughout the entire Republican Party. And I'm not confident that the Republican Party is going to continue to exist, at least the Republican Party that I have known and the Republican Party that I originally came to be a part of. So let's, let's talk about January 6th, because one of the things you really brought to everyone's attention in your testimony was how much Donald Trump wanted to go to the Capitol on January 6th, demanded to go to the Capitol on January 6th. And I think one of the big questions that I have is why? What did he want to do at the Capitol? You know, I... I can't speculate. I heard several things. You several can't speculate. You, you, have, you have more information. I, I, but you I, know but I could, but that wouldn't be responsible because I, I, definitively I don't know what he wanted but to what, do. But like, what are some ideas? What I, what I would know that is he, there is a reason that he wanted to go to the Capitol. There is a reason he wanted to be with his supporters. And Donald Trump also knows the impact that his words have. And he knows the impact that his presence has on his supporters. He knows that he himself riles people up. He knew that the crowd was armed that day. He knew that there were people angry about this. So I, knowing Donald Trump, knowing what I knew inside the White House, that was not a mistake. He did not want to just go to the Capitol to go there and make a little speech and then go back to the White House. 
there was a reason that he wanted to go there. And again, I would like to restate that Donald Trump knows the impact of his words. So when he, on January 6th, when he wanted to go to the Capitol, everything, that, that was intentional. The Mark Milley tweet that you earlier mentioned from this past weekend, he knows the impact that those words will have. He knows that people will come out and be violent against these people. Yeah. And that's what he wants. Yeah. I mean, there will be, there will be, if there are not already, death threats against Milley because oh, absolutely. he's... absolutely. Yeah. Um, during the Capitol attack, you heard... Meadows say that then President Trump didn't want to do anything to stop it. Um, we heard the chants, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence. Um, and, and what did Meadows say about hang, hang Mike Pence? What did you overhear? This is when the former White House counsel came into our office and Pat had said that, Pat Cipollone, Pat had said that they needed to go down to the Oval Dining Room where the president was. The rioters had gotten into the Capitol. And Mark had relayed to Pat Cipollone something to the effect of, "You heard him, Pat. He doesn't. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to do anything."